You're listening to the really useful podcast. This is the tech podcast for technophobes from makeusof.com. This week we have got some very important security news and we've got a nice collection of tips and tricks to help you make better use of your tech. I'm Christian Carley. Welcome to the show and joining me is Ben Stegner. How are you doing, Ben? I'm doing good. As I mentioned in the intro, we've got some uh, quite important security news, online security news, and then we're going to go on to um, have a few uh, tips and tricks. Let's move on to what we have gathered to speak about, which is why you, initially, which is why you should change your Plex password right now. Now, fair enough, a lot of people don't use Plex. Plex is a weird thing that started off a few years ago as a very nice streaming service um, and media center combination. And more recently, it's kind of... I feel like it's unraveled slightly what its actual aim is. I don't think anyone really knows what it's for at the moment. Account holders, including myself, were alerted to the breach by email early on Wednesday, the 24th of August, uh, last week, a day after the Plex security team noticed suspicious activity in their database. They released an email to everyone, and the third party was apparently able to access a limited subset of data that includes email addresses, usernames, and encrypted passwords. So not that limited, really. They further explained that even though all account passwords that could have been accessed were hashed and secured in accordance with best practices, out of an abundance of caution, we are requiring all Plex accounts to have their password reset. Now, the, the problem with Plex is that at one point, it was quite a popular media center solution um, that a lot of people signed up to. And I think... If everyone's like me, and I know everyone isn't like me, but if everyone's found Plex's latter development as confusing as I have, maybe they've drifted away from it and used other services such as Jellyfin or just gone the full Kodi route or just gone and bought a Roku and forgot about all that and just you know, have a bit of streaming through this and it's stuff that I want to watch, which isn't necessarily something you can do with Plex. They suggest now that you um, change password and also enable two-factor authentication on your Plex account. Attackers can do a lot with an email address without the username and the password. If they were encrypted, then fine. The fact that they were leaked and the encrypted versions were leaked means... I mean, you know, it's data breaches happen a lot. Yeah, change your password if you have a Plex account. Ben, do you have a Plex account? I don't. I've never used Plex. Um, I definitely agree with your take that it's kind of a confusing service to sum up in like a sentence. Like I, I, I always used to think of it as like a place where you hosted your own media. But yeah, when we yeah. started writing about it, when it got really popular, however many years ago that was, and we started writing about it more, I always was pretty confused on what exactly you were supposed to do because it was sort of like sort of synonymous with pirated streams but it wasn't only for that sort of thing so um no i don't use it so i didn't get this email um they gave me a um a a free plex pass a few years ago um in order to uh help me review something called the hd home run which has sort of like um support for plex um the hd home runs are quite a useful piece of kit because you can basically plug in and uh, and a a TV box or a terrestrial thing, uh, aerial antenna into it, and then you get two tuners so you can split it off to two different rooms in the house. And it has a hard drive. I think it has a hard drive thing uh, in it as well so you can record stuff. The the general idea is it had Plex uh, integrated, so they gave me a free Plex pass. And, you know, to be honest, if anything, I think that having Plex pass makes Plex even more complicated. But... 
Um, yeah, so that's that's that. Anyway, Plex has um, had a data breach, and as with any of these things, you need to change your password, and um, if available, and if it's something you find favorable, enable two-factor authentication. <laughs> We're going to move on now to some tech tips which will help you make better use out of the gear that you have in front of you. We're going to start with this that uh, Ben has um, thoughtfully contributed. Does Apple use green bubbles to make you hate Android users? I um, I mean, this was new to me. You suggested this. and I, just, I looked at it and I was thinking, no, I still don't get it at all. So this, this, if, I'm having a, if someone's having a text chat with me, on their iPhone and I use Android, does this mean that I have a different colour speech bubble to someone who would be using an iPhone in the same conversation? Yes, it does. So this is kind of a complicated thing. This is an article I just updated, actually. So the original version I wrote years and years ago when I was in college. Um, and I this when this phenomenon first popped up, I wrote a uh, survey where I asked people, do you use iPhone or Android? And then based on that, I asked them, like, how do you feel about these bubbles? What do you know about the features between them? And it was interesting to look at the results. Um, but this phenomenon has been popping up again recently. It comes up every couple of years or every year. Um, so it was time to update that and take a look at this interesting social, I don't even know what you would call it, <laughs> phenomenon, I guess is the only word I have for it. Let's call it a phenomenon. Uh, sure. So um, iMessage is Apple's proprietary message service. And... It's just the same, or it's very similar to WhatsApp and Telegram. And when you message someone who uses an iPhone using the Messages app, they see you, you see it in green. Is that right? Uh, no. When you if so, if you have an iPhone and you message someone who also has an iPhone, or if they have a Mac or an iPod Touch, um, it comes up as a blue bubble. That's blue. If they have right. if they have any other device, including Android, it goes over SMS and it's a green bubble. Okay, so green bubbles are evil, are they? Uh, something like that. So some sort of evil. <laughs> Um, I don't know if, yeah, <laughs> green with envy, something like that. Well, I mean, this is so uh, this is completely new to me. Well, probably part of the reason why, if you're listening to this outside of the U.S., this is really the, the only area where this matters. So, um, the reason is a little uh. bit of a history lesson here. So, how WhatsApp is like insanely popular in like Latin America, India, Asia, Europe, um, that never really took off here. So. I think I believe WhatsApp got popular in those other regions of the world because texting was expensive, but data wasn't. So everybody just thought, oh, I'll download WhatsApp and can talk basically for free. But in the U.S., texting was cheap and data wasn't. So everybody just had texting SMS on their phones. So that's what they stuck with. So most people stick with the default app for email, texting, whatever. So on an iPhone, when you open up the Messages app, if you text somebody and they have an iPhone, it's automatically an iMessage. But if you text somebody and they don't have an iPhone, it goes over SMS and it's a green bubble. So there's no alter. Like most people don't think, oh, I'm going to download WhatsApp because it's better and I can talk to people that way. They just use the default app. So that's kind of why a lot of people outside the U.S. probably wouldn't even see this as a problem because the iPhone isn't as dominant in some areas. And also WhatsApp is just the de facto messenger. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, again, I'm still baffled by why it's important. <laughs> well, the main the, 
as far as why people actually care, yeah. it may just be this. Th- so there's a couple layers to it. The fir- first is that iMessage is much better than SMS. So if you're not familiar, SMS or short messaging service is what texting has used since the 90s when texting was first a, th- a, a thing that people used. So it has a character limit. Uh, it's not encrypted. It has a very MMS, which is multimedia messaging service. When you send a picture or a long message, that's very limited in size. So that's why when you send a picture to somebody or a video, it looks horrendous because it's it's such a small cap on the size that it just compresses it very heavily. Um, so when you send someone a message and it comes up as a green bubble, you don't have any of the benefits of iMessage. So in iMessage, there are games you can play right inside of iMessage. You can at mention people to tag them. You can long press on a message and give it like a thumbs up or a heart. Um, it's easy to add and remove people from group chats, a lot of stuff like that. You don't get any of that with green bubble texts. So people that are into, into having an iPhone, when they have a group chat, they only want to talk to people who also have an iPhone because they want all the benefits that I just mentioned. Um, and if you're talking with someone who has Android or whatever other platform, you're not going to get that. Yeah, I guess that makes kind of sense. But uh, yeah, I do, I do. I mean, I'm looking through the article. I'm seeing all these strange comments about... Um, strange to me comments about uh you know these um tiktok ones that you've included and these other ones um she's a 10 but she got green bubbles i'm trying to get another one says i'm trying to get rid of the negativity in my life bracket green bubbles in the group chat bracket i'm thinking really it's a bit shallow isn't it really it it, it really is yeah i remember when this when this art when this phenomenon first happened i think it was 2015 when i first wrote this article um i remember seeing a lot of the same stuff like you know if i go on a date with someone and and then i text them and they have green bubbles i don't talk to them like it's very i mean i understand not wanting like sms sucks so i understand wanting to use a better messenger but i I, as i've said many times at the site and in articles like it's it's a very hard thing to tell people like hey if you want to talk to me you need to download this app like i prefer to use signal from my messaging but most people i know don't use it so i just use whatever they use which is either iMessage or whatsapp or telegram or whatever um and why this has been in the news too, this isn't, I don't talk about this too much in the article, but in the last couple of weeks, yeah. um, to add more confusion to the messaging sphere, um, Google has been trying to push Apple to adopt RCS or rich chat service, I think it stands for, um, to iPhone. So the default texting app on most Android phones now is Google Messages. And when you use that um, and you text another Android user that also has that app, it goes over RCS, which is a more modern messaging protocol that's basically like iMessage. It has all those benefits, read receipts, reactions, um, higher quality media, all that stuff. Um, So Google is trying to push Apple to adopt that on the iPhone so that when an iPhone texts an Android phone, it goes over RCS instead of the very old SMS. But Apple probably doesn't want to do that because then it cheapens iMessage and RCS is con- controlled by Google in its popular form. So they don't want to have their message going through a rival's server. So it's a complicated topic for sure. Well, so that's that. Uh, let's move on, shall we, to... We were talking about the Nintendo Switch a little while ago. And um, the Nintendo Switch Online Expansion pack came along last year and brought a load of new features i hope it was last year and my um it's not one of those covid memory block things now actually happened like six years ago um yeah the uh, nintendo switch online expansion pack came along last year i think and it's added more features so ben is it worth the price 
Well, when this first came out, I said it pretty much was not worth the price. But after uh, about a year, I think you're right, it was about a year ago, I took another look at it. And I'm a little more mixed on it now. Um, I would say it might be worth the price if there's a lot of games that you want to play. And mm-hmm. if you have the Switch games that the DLC is included with the expansion pack. That's my overall verdict on it for, for now. Okay. So that's a bit of a bit of a ch- what what I mean what part of that do you think is the most exciting then what what was the most attractive well so if you're not familiar with the expansion pack i guess i'll back up and explain that so nintendo switch online is the 20 dollars a year service that includes the basics like online play save data backup and then the uh, nes and snes online libraries uh, the expansion pack is $50 a year for an individual membership. And on top of all that other stuff, you get access to N64 games on the online app, uh, Second Genesis or Mega Drive games outside of North America. Um, and then you also get access to uh, DLC for Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, Animal Crossing New Horizons, and Splatoon 2. So that's that's the value that you get there. Um, as far as the most exciting part, I would say that if you have, I mean, Animal Crossing, Splatoon, and Mario Kart are three of the biggest franchises on the switch uh, that aren't mario and zelda so if you have those games and you haven't checked yeah. out that dlc yet i think paying 50 dollars for a year of it is probably enough time to play all the n64 games that you want to play and check out all those dlcs um like splatoon 2's dlc is definitely something where like when you finish it you're kind of done with it um mario kart is a little more ongoing if you want to play it with friends or whatever but i think having having a period to check those out without having to buy them and maybe you don't like them or whatever is the biggest benefit there. It's also nice to have the N64 and Genesis Mega Drive games on a modern system because a lot of these aren't really available anywhere else. Yeah, yes, I agree with that. And, uh, I mean, the Sega Mega Drive Mini and 2 and Sega Genesis Mega uh, Mini 2 are coming along later this year as well, which might change that for some people. But um, generally speaking, uh, I yeah, I would agree with you. It's nice to have those on there as well i um oh do you know i am a big fan of retro gaming but when it comes to the switch online expansion pack i kind of feel as though there's too much there i still haven't played many of the uh, nes and snes games on the nintendo switch so do i want to then start playing the n64 games no not yet i don't know yeah, they've kind of had problem. You're right that they've had a there's there's too much, but at first there was too little. So one of the problems that people had was when they first announced both services, both the Super Nintendo NES and then later the expansion pack services with the N64 and Genesis Mega Drive. Yeah. Um, the problem was that when it was new, there wasn't a whole lot, and they've kind of trickled it very slowly, like two new games a month, if that. Um, so it's been pretty slow there. Um, one of the cool things they have done, especially on the older consoles, is they've added, I think they call them SP or special versions. So for like pretty tough games like Zelda 1, there's a special version where you just start with like everything. So it's easier to play through the game or you might start like at the end of uh, the first world or, or of a difficult platformer on NES or something like that. So it's kind of cool to have like they're like basically official ROM hacks from Nintendo. Um and it, thankfully, this has been ironed out too. But at first, there were problems with the emulation. Um, there, there was a video that was pretty popular about a year ago about how Ocarina of Time was just really bad on the Switch Online. Like the fog effect was all messed up. Um, there was really bad input lag. The controls weren't remappable. On the default controls, were pretty poor. So, um, some of that's been ironed out. But you definitely expect more from Nintendo, especially when these are like you know Mario sixty four, Ocarina of Time, like big big games. So. 
you can do a lot worse, I guess. Like, if you want to play these games and you don't have another way to play them, um, you know, paying for a year, you can definitely get through some of these, but it's definitely not a premium experience. And if you're interested in Genesis Mega Drive games, you can buy, like, Sega Genesis Classics for $30, and it has a lot of games on one package, and then it's yours forever and not a subscription. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, oh, you know, I just want to have the time to play those games, and I don't. And, you know, it's partly my own fault because you know, I do that thing that lots of people do who own a PC and they, they have the humble bundle and the fanatical and stuff like that. They see a cheap game or a cheap bundle of games and think, I'll buy that for when I'm, you know, I'm really sick or I'm hunkered in or the world's about to end or whatever. And, of course, you don't have time to do that either. Um... <laughs> I do. Do you know what though? I am part of a group that plays Mario Kart online. I don't join in very often with them. It's, it's a bunch. Of, I'm interested in a group with some comedy writers in the UK, like real comedy writers who do real comedy on the radio and TV. Um, I'm hoping some of their 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 talent rubs off on me at some point. Hasn't happened yet. Um, I found that not only am I not very good at selling comedy, I'm also really bad at Mario Kart when I'm not playing against eleven year olds. that's that's where the boys become men yeah totally 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 my um my my children went to a protest yesterday uh on the beach in my neck of the woods uh because there's been some various uh pollution things taking place around the uk and also specifically in our neck of the woods um where there's some uh, industrial dredging has been taking place, which may or may not have something to do with um, crustaceans being washed up dead along the uh, northeast coast from, say, um, County Durham, if not further north, to um, way past Whitby. So it's sort of, a, uh, at the very least, a 50-mile uh, stretch of coast. Part of this was that my one of my children ended up actually being on the front cover of a, uh, of a local newspaper. Oh. But... Yeah, um, wearing wearing her protest T-shirt. But um, that's not really what I'm talking about. What I'm actually talking about is the eight best free smartphone apps to help keep our coastlines clean. Because I've, I feel that we uh, maybe get a little bit distracted with things like um, the temperature, what we can do about um, air pollution and CO2, which, in my opinion, is very little. When we can actually go out and actually start cleaning the areas where we live, either by hand or with equipment and diggers and by group efforts and actually make an actual physical difference that isn't that doesn't involve paying more tax, basically. So you can go on Android, on the Play Store, and you can find eight apps that will help you find places that need cleaning. Number one, there's the Marine Debris Tracker. There is Ocean Hero, another app. There is Clean Beach, which is a very cool app which helps making cleaning up beaches fun, ideal for children. Uh, Clean Swell, again, has a, uh, a an, an attitude that uh, makes it more easy to pick up rubbish and positively impact coastlines. You've also got Beach Clean, you've got My Coast, and you've got Litter Clean Up. And although I said they're on Android... And as with uh, the last one, Little Lotto, they're also on iOS. These are mobile apps that can help you keep your coastlines happy and healthy. And, you know, it's a, it is not great that people go to the beach and dump stuff. Maybe with um, encouraging apps like this, we can uh, have a, foster a uh, new attitude to keeping our coastlines happy, healthy, clean, disease-free, 
and um, that can impact the quality of the sea as well because what gets dumped on the beach invariably ends up in the ocean. Yeah, anything like this, like um, littering, not pollution, is a shame because you think, you know, if everybody just did just a little bit less, like stop throwing garbage out their car window or like leaving crap on the beach when they went, like everybody just did a little bit more of that responsibly, then we wouldn't have the problems of like giant piles of garbage washing up on the shore. But people are not smart and don't do that. So then it kind of comes to this, like we have to do something moment to, to clean all that stuff up. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And you would also think too, I mean, I'm sure the people that are cleaning it up aren't the people that are leaving it there. So it's not like the people that leave it or having to be punished by cleaning up all the junk they leave and seeing what a mess it causes. But yeah, anything that uh, makes a trip to the beach a little more pleasant and not having to step between cans and cigarette butts is definitely nice. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's, a gamification angle to this it's not like achieving cleanups and you know in a perfect world you wouldn't need to do this but it is not a perfect world and if it's this is a real tangible change that we can make to our environments by getting out and doing something whereas other things that we hear about those aren't tangible changes they're unrealistic changes these are real realistic tangible changes that anyone who lives near the coast can take part in to make the world a better place so i would uh, get steadfastly behind all of these now usually we talk about a recommendation at this point of the show but before we get on with that uh, this is the first podcast that we've done in at least a month where I'm joined by someone who's actually living and breathing and not a digital representation of themselves from a few months previously. So how are you? Oh, that's true. Yeah, you did clone me a couple of months back. And yeah. That was, that, was, that was some big stuff we didn't talk about. What have you um, been doing? Because we haven't chatted. So have you, have you got anything new to talk about? Any new gear that you've bought? Anything? This is a lot of pressure. I feel like I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm having to give a, a, a summary of my life here. Um, new gear. Um, I have not gotten any new gear. I got a new sound bar, but that was probably like two months ago. Okay. Um, so not super, super new. Um, I had a button go bad on my PS5 controller that I fixed. So that was oh, nice one. very light DIY, which is the only kind I'm capable of. And I'm thinking of buying a new office chair. So that's probably my next like techy purchase. So I haven't bought that yet. Still looking at it. And it's not really tech. It's more tech adjacent. Um, but that's, yeah, that's my little life summary. It's been a pretty quiet summer for me um, since I had a few trips a few months ago. So, yeah, yeah just kind of digging in and keeping on. Nice. Excellent. I um, did, did you know I got a Steam Deck? I knew that you were very close to your order arriving last time I oh, saw yeah. you post about it. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's arrived. And then the first thing I installed on it was a... a, 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 a was Zool, a, a 30-year-old game. <laughs> and how, um, how's that been that worked fine yeah um i've then installed um i played through half-life 2 on it i've pl I installed death stranding and i've played an hour or two of that and then i've paused that because i then discovered that you can install games off um gog goodoldgames.com or gog okay Big is that bad. easy or is that like a hacky it is um well it's straightforward to do the installation but it's not straightforward to run it unless you know the exact uh configuration needs to change in the ini file for the game in particular that i wanted to play okay. which is uh, sid Meier's alpha centauri which is a sort of a spacey version of civilization but actually installing a, go a game from uh, gog.com 
through this uh, this tool called Heroic, which also does games from the Epic. So those free games that Epic give away, you can run sure. them on the stream deck through through this tool as well. Um, yeah, fantastic! I'm so pleased with it. It's the best thing I've bought in years. It's really. What do you really think good. of? Uh what, sorry, what do you think of Death Stranding? Because I've heard that game seems very controversial to me. Um, it's strange, and I'm very impressed with the direction and the voice acting. Um, parts of it feel a bit like... Now, there's an old arcade game many years ago. Space Ace sounds familiar to me. I, there's a YouTuber I liked that did a video about it years ago, but I don't know anything about the artist or any other like sibling games that it had. I just know the name pretty much. Yeah, there was, so there's Space Ace and Dragon's Lair is the game oh, I was thinking okay. of. And the designer was Don Bluth. Um, and Don Bluth was an ex-Disney, I think, ex-Disney. And he, was, he did um, American Tale, Land Before Time, All Dogs Go to Heaven, Anastasia, um, and a few others. Now, the um, important thing about these games is that, and he's the half-cousin of Mitt Romney. How amusing. Um, the, amuse uh, the, the interesting thing about these games, Space Ace and Dragon's Lair, is that the controls were quite limited, so you would find yourself in a scene that was presented with this beautiful cartoon-esque animation, but you weren't in complete control of everything, so you'd move the joystick in the right direction and press the fire button at the right time, and although you had these full, beautiful graphics, you weren't in control of the characters in the way you might be with an older game, say uh, Manic Miner or or, um, or Bomb Jack or any of those type of games where you have better control of the characters. It's very much a kind of a scene-by-scene -scene thing where you had to press things in the right order at the right time rather than a full engagement in order to progress the story, which is probably why um, um, the games came out as only arcade games machines um or a laser disc although i think i do think that there was um versions on um sort of 16-bit systems that would have run off um, floppy disks but the point is i felt that death stranding was a little bit in that in, you know similar to that the parts of it that i was playing i got up to yeah like i say, i played an hour or an hour or two of it so i didn't get very far through it but i did i did feel that i, I mean i hope it expands further but i did feel the controls were a bit limited basically that's my basic thing on it yeah, yeah. I, I, now that you're saying that, I remember, I think I covered a bit of Dragon's Lair in an article I wrote about what QuickTime events are, because that was kind of the first game that had, like, press the right button at the right time yeah. or you die, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, Death Stranding, I haven't played it, so I can't really speak to it, but it, to me, it, the, the movement looks very designed intricately, but the gameplay to me looked super boring. Yeah. I like games with really clear and great movement that just works really well. I don't like games where it's like a, it's a, laborious process to get from point a to point b and that game looks like just the act of moving is annoying which i get the is the point of the game um sure but i don't think i would love it so i was yeah. curious because it seems divisive yeah i mean i basically bought an uh, you know one of those um super fast uh micro sd cards that you can get for the switch i bought one of those sure. for my uh, steam deck so that i could play death stranding basically <laughs> um because it's a big game What is your recommendation? Uh, my recommendation is a game this week. I was trying to think about something I've been checking out in the last couple of weeks since we talked that would be fun for everyone. Um, it is a game called Overcooked All You Can Eat, 
which is the kind of like the greatest hits uh, version of the Overcooked games. Um, this game was pretty popular when it first came out, but if you haven't heard of it, it's Overcooked is a co-op cooking game. Yeah. Um, so you and up to, I think, four people total um, control a chef, and your job is to look at orders that come into the kitchen and prepare them, which sounds really boring, but the game is very goofy. Um, so there's a lot of different recipes you have to cook from fish and chips to cakes to burgers, pizza, salad, that kind of thing. Um, and you work together with your friends. So you might have to, for example, with, with a hamburger, you have to grab some beef, chop it up, and then put it in the frying pan, and then put it on a bun, on a plate, make sure the condiments are there, and then serve it, that sort of thing. Um, but you also have to worry about washing dirty dishes. Um, you have to make sure that things don't burn. Um, and depending, the maps get pretty crazy. So sometimes you'll be on, like on like an island uh, with your other friend, and you have to throw stuff back and forth. Or there might be um, a level where you're on top of like a, like two trucks that keep splitting apart. So you have to bring ingredients over from where you grab them to the cutting board, and then back over to the frying pan and that kind of thing. So it's a very goofy game. It's it's a fun one to play with friends of different skill levels, but it can also get pretty intense if you go for the high scores. Um, but yeah, it's just a, it's a it's a fun co-op game whether you're playing online or with people on the couch. And I'd uh, recommend that for your next multiplayer game session. So that's Overcooked, All You Can Eat. Um, one and two are are good as well, but this is basically just both games in one package. So might as well go with the newest one. Okay, they really do like to uh, hammer Overcooked, don't they? We've got a um, we've got Overcooked one and two in one package, um, but not as one game. Oh, you like you buy? There's an offering. There's where you a buy, there's like, a cartridge where that has like one that. and two on it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. That must have that must have been before All You Can Eat came out. Um, there's yeah, some DLC yeah, yeah. for Overcooked too that you can buy, which All You Can Eat includes, and I think All You Can Eat runs at 60 FPS when the earlier ones might not have. Um, okay. Yeah, they're on they're on everything. They're on, you know Steam, Switch, Xbox, yeah. PlayStation. Yeah, we've so. got it on uh, Xbox yeah. and on Switch, and on the Switch it is my five year old's favorite game. It's a good that game. The like I have a friend that loves collecting trophies in PlayStation games, so we've been trying to work on some of them, and they, it can get pretty intense. Yes, um, it can. you really have to manage. It's it's easier with more people, but it's still tricky because then you're running into each other and knocking each other off the map and screaming at each other. So it's a good time. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you know what? I don't really have a recommendation at the moment. I'm in the middle of reviewing things, and um, none of them are ready. So. Uh, the, I, I just don't have a recommendation. I feel guilty about this. Um, and I did no um, have a look games, at what no was on my lately. phone. And All right, uh, do you want a show? Uh, I'll give sure. you a show. I, I'll give sure. you a show. I watched the first episode of House of the Dragon last week. I'm about to watch the second episode tonight. I was stunned by how good it was while being like Game of Thrones, not riffing too heavily on Game of Thrones, and clearly having its own story. And uh, Matt Smith, who's a uh, former Doctor Who actor, um, was really, really good in uh, his uh, role. So um, I, th- I think there's a possibly it wouldn't be so good without him, but he does have a very good cast. And uh, so I would recommend you check out House of the Dragon, actually. Okay. Now, is this like a. I, I know nothing about Game of it's Thrones. A, like, I've it's never a watched a single episode. You wouldn't cool, need okay. to have watched Game of Thrones to watch House okay. of the Dragon. Um, but uh, Reese Evans is in it as well, who you probably may know from the Spider-Man, the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies. I have seen those, yeah. Yeah, he, and, and the most recent Spider-Man movie, he played the Lizard. Um, so he's in there as well. And um, there's there's plenty of uh, 
stuff going on in that. There's a couple of other familiar faces that you may or may not know. But most importantly is um, you can watch it. With, based on what I've seen so far, and, you know, I'm not like a uh, heavy Game of Thrones fan, although I've read a couple of the books. Um, I believe, from what I've seen so far, you can watch it without having any knowledge of Game of Thrones. So okay, I think that's an advantage for any show like that. Yeah, it's always interesting. Like I, with with games, is what I always default to, since that's what I know. Like prequels and reboots and things like that. Like, there's an argument to say, well, you should play it in the story order so you experience the full story. But then you think, well, maybe you should just play it in the order that they released because that's the order that like the people, like the the, the directors wrote them in, and that's the order that most people experience them in. Like, yeah, yeah. If you, yeah. there's been a couple times like Bioshock is one example. If you haven't played, it won't make much sense. But I had a friend that told me to play one and then infinite which is the third game and then two because two was made by a different studio and one and two take place in the same like world so it's kind of like you get fatigued of that world if you play one and two in a row but two doesn't have any bearing on the third one story really so that's like one of the rare times i've played a series out of order like that but usually it seems like the order that they released in not the order that like the timeline goes in is the best Mm. but yeah that is interesting when they can make a prequel that doesn't ruin the, the the upcoming show or the the show afterward in the timeline yeah 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 i've never really come across that with games i don't think that would bother me too much but uh either way so that's my recommendation which brings us to the end of this week's really useful podcast if we have been able to help you in any way if you've liked anything in the show please share us with your friends and family or the person that you think might benefit most from what we've talked about if you could uh, leave us a uh, nice review on apple Podcasts, that'd be awesome and you can let us know via the um links in the show notes just drop us a line on twitter or on facebook where you will also find this podcast and let us know if you have any suggestions of things that we might uh, talk about in future everything that we discuss in the show you will find in those show notes that accompany this podcast pretty much everywhere it goes they'll link back to resources on makeuseof.com i'm christian corley he's ben stegner you've been listening to the really useful podcast until next time it's goodbye